This is the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less. Ever wish you could re-listen to your favorite interview or segment? Do you enjoy hearing older shows for the first time in years? Then the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less is just what you need. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Greetings and welcome to another edition of the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less. I am your host, John Solberg, and this edition is being brought to you by The Butcher Shop. The Butcher Shop is home of the A9 Master Colby Briskets, where they are always hand-picked. This father and son team has operated this retail meat market in Pensacola, Florida for the past 15 years. Kevin and Jordan ship nationwide to many of the biggest names in the barbecue industry. The A9 Brisket won both sides of the American Royal Cook-Off, and that happened in 2019. They also ship some of the finest prime, dry-aged Australian Wagyu and Japanese Wagyu steaks to people just like you and me who aspire to be the kings of their backyards. The Butcher Shop always has Berkshire, Compart Duroc, Allegiance Duroc, and Prairie Fresh all-natural pork products in stock, and again, always handpicked just for you. Are you on any wild game items? like bison, venison, elk, ostrich. How about some camel? Have you been searching for those 10 to 12 pound boneless turkey breasts featured on Hotter Barbecue, right? The Butcher Shop has them in stock and they are ready to ship to you today. So whether you're looking for the best competition briskets, ribs, or pork butts, or you just wanna have a better option to cook at home, give The Butcher Shop a call today. 850-458-8782. That's 850 850- 458-8782. Or you can get a hold of them on their Facebook page, facebook.com slash the butcher shop. Shop spelled S-H-O-P-P-E. Mention the Barbecue Central Show and you will save 10% off your entire order. The Butcher Shop, home of the A9 brisket. And here's what's going on on today's show from January 25th, 2011. A lot of players have come and gone in the barbecue world. But if you were still around, Greg's going to talk to one of them, Brian Knox from Knox Spice Company. They're going to catch up. Do you want to make a rub? You want to learn about rub making? Let's get to it. Here is Greg and Brian Knox from January the 25th, 2011. All right, as promised, we're going to race over to the hotline and uh, bring up a rub maker extraordinary business owner and a hell of a great guy. It's friend of the show. First time guest, Brian Knox. Brian, how are you, buddy? Hey, I'm fine, Craig. How are you? I'm doing absolutely fantastic, Brian. Thanks for asking, and I appreciate you making time for the show tonight. Uh, before we get into the Knox Spice business and all that good stuff, how about a little background about yourself, what you do during the day, uh, all that great stuff? <laughs> Well, all I do during the day is mainly try to pay my mortgage. Uh, <laughs> How's that working out for you? Yeah, well, so far, so good. Uh, it has been working out pretty good. And, and I cook a lot. So a lot of times during the day, I prepare things and uh, try out, believe it or not, a lot of other people's product. Brian Knox joining us here on the show. So, Brian, I would imagine, or perhaps I can't even imagine, but you know, a lot of people in this barbecue game, they start to make their own rub at some point after they get versed in how to at least cook the meats somewhat well. And inevitably, a neighbor or friend, coworkers taste their rubs, and they're like, man, you should start selling this stuff. How did the process work for you? Well, I, I started making rubs with my brother, and uh, he was always 
better than I was, or at least he thought he was in his own in his own head. <laughs> and with the internet coming on like it did, we started ordering different spices and stuff from all over the place. And all of a sudden, there was a huge resource for finding all kinds of strange herbs and spices. And we started really competing over it. And then we decided, well, heck, we're making stuff a lot better than we're buying at the grocery right now. Why don't we put it together into a package? And that was, shoot, six, we started doing that, full, not full-time, but serious about six or seven years ago. So how do you go, I mean, like, what are the first portions of starting it? What do you have to research first in order to, to get the product to market? Oh, you got to find a commercial kitchen or a packer, and you really need to find out about your market. Um, the first thing you learn real quick is you can't sell dry rub to guys that make their own dry rub. You know, if you think you're going to go down into South Carolina and sell dry rub to somebody, you might want to rethink your strategy because there's a million great dry rubs down there. And a lot of those guys make their own dry rubs anyway. So you you need to really figure out if you can compete and, um, you know, find a niche in the market where you can make a little money to support support your habit, basically. All right. So how do you go about trying to figure out which niche you fit or where you're going to kind of kind of mix in to potentially make some of that money back? Well, with us, we had already bought, like most everybody else's, commercial dry rub. I mean, since the last several years, since I've known you and I've met, you know, a whole bunch of different people like Larry Wolf and, you know, Big Ron Garcia and these guys, and you get to try other people's products and, um, you know, try to try to figure out kind of um, how everybody else fits in and try not to fill a void that's really pretty full already and we decided to go towards the gourmet market and we knew we would never sell dry rub in the carolinas but we sell a lot of dry rub in southern california and we sell a lot of dry rub in washington state and new england and places i never thought they would even barbecue tell you the truth so were you i mean were you thinking of it as you were trying to get into a barbecue market there or were you just selling a spice and dry rub to complement whatever they were cooking or were you specifically looking to get into the barbecue and grilling market well you know at first at first we did start really looking at the barbecue market and stores that sold just barbecue things we kind of stumbled into the gourmet market um you know, we wanted to make a product that was that was all natural. We didn't want any fillers in it. You know, we, we wanted it to be as great as we thought it was. And um, once you start getting around barbecue markets and you realize that, um, you know, it, it's pretty tough competition anyway. Not that I wouldn't really and not that I don't enjoy being in the barbecue market, but, but we do uh, probably a lot more retail business through gourmet markets. I was going to say, I mean, I see online and I would imagine you're doing pretty well online, but is the majority of the money, as far as the business model is concerned and the sales figures that you're seeing year after year, now that you've been doing it six or seven years, coming from, you know, uh, selling into grocery store chains or, or commercial events? You know, our our commercial accounts are, are pretty good. You know, we do real well here in Chicago. Um, we do really well in that. And there's a few places down in Florida we do really well in. We have found in the last couple of years that we do really well with uh, our item as a gift item. That people enjoy sending it to other people and not even ordering it for themselves. Which I thought was funny, but, you know, I'm more than happy to make gift baskets. I enjoy it and I think it gives people a great way to receive it. Brian Knox joining us here. He is uh, the owner of 
KnoxSpice.com is the website if you want to go ahead and check it out. And I think, you know, Brian, as you just kind of alluded to, you do have that unique feature of those gift baskets where you offer your products and they come that nice basket. You have the towels as well. It's really, I mean, not to be redundant, but as far as giving it out to somebody that is already a passionate barbecue or griller, it's it's almost kind of a, a nice added classy uh, gift basket normally than than you would normally see at some of the other outlet retailers on the internet. Yeah, I thought the, the one thing that, that that me and Tim did early on was we did not want a gift basket that was full of crap. And so, you know, because there's all this foam involved and shrink wrap involved. And, you know, we went through a lot of gift kind of items looking for what we wanted to do. And we decided that if you couldn't cook it, eat it or burn it, that uh, we didn't want it in our gift basket. So that's when we put hickory chips in it to pack it. And I was like, you know, that works out real nice because a lot of people that don't, you know, traditionally grill and maybe they don't really barbecue or they don't really smoke, you know, it would kind of turn them on to that. And also it became such a unique item that people would actually bring it into stores and see, try to find it. And I, I've gotten retailers call me over it, which has been really nice. That was one of the other questions as I had was, you know, how much of the word of mouth after people get it and they show it to somebody and now they're bringing it to stores saying, hey, I'd like to get something like this. Can you quantify any type of percentage that you're getting from people just word of mouthing it into places? You know, I can't, I don't know for sure because a lot of times people, people don't get real friendly when they're buyers. They're looking to get a pretty good deal and, uh, you know, get it in their store quick. They, they really don't care about my background too much or how they found out about it. But there was a place in Florida just recently where a guy brought in the chicken rub and uh, showed it to the girl. And now we send it down there to him and he buys it from their store, which is really nice, I think. All right, so Brian, let's go over the products portfolio that you have. We'll start with the rubs, uh, kind of start out with, my, I guess, what would be selling best, and we'll kind of work down from there. Yeah, you know, what sells the best is the cracked pepper rub, because I guess, oh. you know, most people in, in our markets and the more gourmet markets, if they're cooking out, they're cooking steak. Yeah. Now, in my house, it's typically chicken or pork, um, but we get a lot of orders for cracked pepper rub from uh, retail markets in, that are in the gourmet sector. It's so good, too, by the way. I use it on steaks, obviously, as you just alluded to. Uh, mm-hmm. Plus, my wife makes a nice compound avocado butter that goes oh. excellently well with the uh, cracked pepper rub. So uh, definitely, I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. But uh, you also have uh, some other rubs that uh, just aren't beef-related. Yeah, we have a jerk rub that uh, the original recipe was brought to me by a friend of mine uh, who who has a house in Jamaica, and I'd never really been, you know, I'm from Virginia, you know, right in the Shenandoah Valley, and we didn't get a lot of Jamaican jerk in in the Shenandoah Valley when I was a kid, (laughs) but I kind of fell in love with it because it was so weird, you know, there's there's a weird uh, uh, blend going on with jerk rubs, and when you start researching jerk rubs, it can be as simple as three or four ingredients, it could be 30 or 40 ingredients, and that's if you can get somebody to tell you what they're doing. And that one I like a lot, and I've even put that one on beef. And then our Chipotle barbecue rub was that smoky kind of southwestern, even northern Mexico um, profile, mainly for pork. That that was mainly what we designed that one for. And that was our first rub. That was the first one we did because once we found out about Chipotle peppers and we could get them in any kind of quantity, we jumped right on that. And for some of the people that might be thinking about getting into the rub and getting into the sauce business, aside from that co-packer, any other pitfalls that you might have faced that you wouldn't mind sharing with us so other people might be able to avoid that? 
Well, I think the biggest pitfall is the co-packing because it's so hard to find a good one. And, um, you know, I would advise everybody to save your money. If you're looking to do it, save your money, find a good co-packer and get a non-disclosure agreement, inspect the facility, and uh, make recipes that are truly unique. You know, something that you really eat all the time, not just try to make a product that you think because it's got a catchy name that, that people might happen to buy it because they're probably not going to buy it twice. Um, so, so I would say if you're going to try to get into the business, just make sure you got a product you truly believe in. And there you have it, Brian Knox and Greg Rempe. What I have learned about listening to rub makers is they are not afraid to share. They will tell you what to do. That also tells me it is extremely difficult to do it. If you'd like to hear the rest of this episode, head on over to thebbqcentralshow.com. There will be a link in the show notes to take you right there. Please be sure you check out The Butcher Shop over at facebook.com slash The Butcher Shop. Shop spelled S-H-O-P-P-E. Get a hold of them for all of your brisket needs. Mention The Barbecue Central Show for 10% off your entire order. The Butcher Shop, home of the A9 brisket. Until next time on the best moments of The Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less, I'm your host, John Solberg. I look forward to talking to you again soon.